Uh, maybe the killing joke was a good idea. I'm keeping that in. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to Divisive Issues, a comic book podcast where we talk about comic books. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapo. I'm Phil Mavrikis. And I'm Daryl Steffen. Welcome, guys. I I hope uh, you didn't get full of last week's stuff because we have a lot more. But it's different this time. It's DC, the distinguished yeah. competition. Yeah, I mean, if Marvel did such a bad job last time, like DC ha- can only do better. I think. Uh, I especially like that in the last episode we mentioned a lot. Like this was much better than what DC was doing at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Phil, uh, you were saying like, oh. We can't give Stanley credit for being progressive on like black racial issues because you know he's in New York. Everyone in New York is progressive on black racial issues. Like I thought exactly what I said. I said he has an easier time being more progressive and more comfortable with diversity. Uh, DC's headquarters were in New York too, so yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's easier for someone like Stanley to be more okay with diversity. It should be easier. Should be. Yeah, it should, should be easier. easier. And oh, but I, that doesn't mean he shouldn't get credit for being progressive in a time when we get this stuff like this. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so just to uh, keep it fair, instead of doing 1961, why don't we, or 1963, why don't we skip ahead to like 68, 69 and see if DC's caught up yet? Yeah. They have to. <laughs> okay. Of course DC, DC has always been in touch with the people. <laughs> right. Like when they made uh, Batman v Superman, everyone loved that movie, right? Yeah. Why? Why? Why are you bringing that up? That has nothing to do with He's any of these plugging older episodes. Yeah. So okay, who's who's starting with this fucking nonsense? It's me. Okay. Yay. We're jumping to Detective Comics. What station number? Three seventy-one. Yeah. Okay. And what's on the cover of this issue? On the cover, we have uh, a bunch of like uh, guys attacking Batman and Robin. And Batman's asking, Batgirl, get over here. Help us. We've got a problem. And Batgirl's looking down at a Terner suit saying, I have a bigger one. A run in my thighs. Tights. 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 <laughs> tights. I did. Yes. My legs cut off and help me. I'm bleeding. I went straight to the gams. <laughs> this is written by Gardner Fox and Gil Kane does the art. And that's oh, actually, those are that's a ma- big team. That's a that's a really big team. Gardner Fox was like the guy at DC for like twenty years. Yeah, he did all the Golden Age stuff. He did a lot of the Silver Age stuff. And Gil Kane is like a classic, classic comic artist. So this will probably be great, right? Yeah. Uh, just to give some backstory, this is like only like t- ten issues after Batgirl first appeared, and this is the story caliber we get <laughs> yeah. for her. Just to get some backstory, um, this was the worst thing I've ever read. <laughs> really? It's worse than the unfunnies? No, okay. Out of this bunch. This is the worst thing I've read this week. That's yes. A... Worst thing I've ever read, worst thing I've read this week. I only started reading this week, so I don't... <laughs> so it opens with uh, a narration blurb that says, When is a woman a woman? Every moment of the day and night. Even Batgirl, during her most hectic moments, when she is battling criminals, is always conscious of her appearance. <laughs> Should her costume be ripped, her face smeared, a boot heel lost, and her concerned boomerangs against her, and yet being feminine can sometimes be turned to an advantage, as she demonstrates to Batman and Robin in Batgirl's costume cut-ups. That's literally the entire issue. I, I love how they're like, when is a woman a woman? Always. It's like, okay. And they immediately stop calling her a woman and saying... She's always conscious of her appearance. Like, 
That's what they're talking about. When is a woman conscious of her appearance? Yeah. Always. And we should note, too, on that same page, she's looking in, like, a little hand pocket makeup mirror and, like, doing her lipstick while Batman and Robin are fighting yeah. guys. Yeah. She's literally putting on makeup in the middle of a fight. Yeah. By the time Batgirl pretties herself up for this brawl, it'll be all over, says Batman and Robin. Uh, the story opens up with, I should have assumed this is a Batman story, <laughs> with a team of sports themed <laughs> criminals oh this was 19 this was january 1968 oh yeah this is this is not too far along after the like the 60s adam west batman series yeah the so, show is still uh, on at this point yeah yeah it's funny because i forgot that batman used to be really campy because he's like he's the gritty superhero of today like he's the one everyone thinks of when you think of a dark superhero. This was right around the time that bat that barbara gordon played by yvonne craig debuted in the show and she was incredibly popular. This was like, this is like big pop culture tie-in material. You would think they would really like make it good. Oh, I love the sports theme gang so much. What are they called? The sports... Sports spoilers gang. They've been using sports gimmicks. <laughs> They're playing rad ball, which is a soccer on wheels sport played in Australia. And they kick an explosive ball at an armored truck because <laughs> they're trying to rob it. And then Batgirl shows up on the scene and starts... Uh, tackling guys off their bikes and then uh she like bonks her head against a pedal yeah like a guy's riding his bike past and the pedal hits her in the face that would hurt like a lot (laughs) yeah she doesn't care all it does is just mess up her mask and that's the important thing and yeah and then she's like oh i have to straighten this out and then she gets like kicked from behind she's like oh serves me right for being more concerned with my appearance than those rad ball robbers one thing i want to point out though is the mask actually is covering her eyes so she can't see yeah i was gonna say that's actual legitimate concern because then you can't see things and it reminds me of like in the killing joke when joker pulls down batman's mask it like gives him the upper hand in the fight this is not a, f- a feminine no he wild. was concerned with his appearance yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like batman why am i so vain <laughs> And I, I like how they note, it's not just her doing this. As any girl will, she has to straighten her appearance. Yeah. Oh my god. Yep. Just as any girl would, because all girls are the same. There are one, you know, in a military, the woman in the military, whenever they mess up their hair, they're like, oh, I gotta stop. While yeah, yeah hold on, guys. Stop the war. That's why Peggy yeah. Carter got canceled, because she kept uh, fixing her hair. Yeah. So then Batman and Robin show up on the scene, and Batman... Just starts jumping at dudes off of his Batmobile and punching them in the face. Oh, the best joke. You may go for soccer, but my specialty is sock And he punches them in the face. I actually like Look at that butt. butt. That is a straight up butt. Yeah, when Daryl read this, he pointed it out and he says, dead ass. (laughs) Well, there's like, there's three images of like them jumping, but their like butts are in center of the frame. Yeah. So all you do is you just look and you're like, yep, that's a man in tights. I also like how this, this book is about like gender stereotypes and this is presumably for a comic for kids uh and the ads too are little boys playing with like assault rifles well that's those are those are toys of the time to be fair like yeah like a christmas story yeah exactly. that's true true back, back then we didn't fuck around with our toys <laughs> uh for some reason when sly said dad ass my thought was like do we curse on the show and then i realized i'm an idiot <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm truly in this, like, 60s campy mindset. Imagine, like, Batman just starts fucking cursing and... Gosh, golly. Holy shit, Batman. (laughs) (laughs) After the sports spoilers get away, unfortunately, Batman approaches uh, Batgirl, and he's saying, like, uh, 
you can't possibly be, be as depressed as you looked. If you haven't delayed those crooks long enough, we wouldn't have caught any. And then she says, thanks for the kind words, Batman. But the fact remains, my vanity betrayed me. And so they're telling her not to worry and like you'll get better. But she's she's upset that she's just so like self-absorbed. She says, it wasn't personal vanity that made me adjust my headgear. It was an instinctive female reaction. Yeah, oh yep. I love that too. It's like yeah. it's not her being vain. It's like females are inherently vain. They cannot. Yeah. They have no other way than to be vain. It's like the book yeah. is trying to like show how strong of a character she is by being like, despite her flaws of being a yeah. woman, look at how hard she's working to overcome them. Yeah, it's like when Daredevil reminds you that he's blind in every issue, and he's like, I overcome it anyway. But no, this time, yeah, her <laughs> handicap is being a woman. You're, yeah, you're a gender. You're joking, but like that's actually the way they set this up. Like, yeah, that, it's like, and and this book has so many chances to not to redeem itself that it just keeps like dropping the red ball over and over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so the next night leads Batman and Robin to a sawmill where they find the sports spoilers again. Why are they going to the sawmill, Daryl? It's so stupid. Because that's where precious metals are shaped into sports contest prizes and trophies. <laughs> like, and then Robin says they're going after the ingots, but it's like it sounds like they're just going after the trophies. Yeah, what a, it's like they're really like we have to commit sports themed crimes, but there's not a lot, so we really have to stretch. <laughs> anyway, as dumb as that is, it gets even dumber because they see Batman and Robin coming and to get away they cut down like a stack of logs and then they start riding yeah the log, log rolling and they say we got to do it just like we practiced like in case we had to do this we practice riding on logs <laughs> my favorite part too is they don't think they're like well batman and robin can't chase us because they can't go across logs and no batman and robin have prepared for this they didn't expect us to be expert log rollers too catching up to them will be as easy as rolling off a log <laughs> Okay, Robin. Yeah, they they say logs like for the next four frames. <laughs> apparently, apparently, log rolling is like a sport. People do it. Yep. Yeah. But it was just like it's, I don't know. It's such a strange sport to choose for a sports theme, guys. It's like rad ball and log rolling. Yeah, so that's the far. thing. Is like it's so weird. It doesn't actually get you distance. So like they're not actually going anywhere. And the fact that Batman and Robin are like we we're log rollers too is the the whole scene is really silly. Yeah. And well, you get another good scene of Batman's butt, yeah. and then um, there's some Robin butt too. Yeah, a bit. (laughs) (laughs) It's not as well pronounced as Batman, but... This guy is gonna hit them with this, like, pitchfork behind them, and then there's a scream that warns them to, like, look out, and it comes from Batgirl. And she thinks to herself, even though it allowed them to, like, to dodge the attack, she thinks to herself, darn, I did it again. My reaction at seeing Batman and Robin in danger was to let one go from my vocal cords. So it's like... Women instinctively reply to danger by just screaming. Yeah. So she she couldn't help herself. And then a the guy throws a log at her and says, this small log will queer her game. <laughs> the language is so weird. And, like, yeah, we yeah. pointed out how, like, Stanley uses a lot of words and stuff. And even though Stanley uses words like crumb and everything, it's still such <laughs> a more... It still sounds more like real people than this. Yeah. And then when the log hits hits the mud, it splashes her of mud, and she and now she has to rub the mud off because she's a woman. And and of course, Batgirl needs Batman to mansplain her. Like you know, next time you screen Batgirl, uh, how about you warn us from the direction in which the attack is coming instead of just you know screaming like that? Because even determined fighters as we are, we get distracted by a lady's scream. 
And she's like, sorry, guys, I really am just a dumb woman. Uh, even worse, when she's back, like right after when she's back at the library at work, she's like, I'll be a crook catcher first and a glance catcher second. <laughs> what? <laughs> as if, as if like dedicating her life to fighting crime, she didn't think that already. Like, she's like, I want to go look good on the street at night. Well, it's the show the sacrifice she's making to be a crime fighter. You know how, how like, uh, Batman gives up his personal life and like Spider-Man gives up his happiness. Like she's like, I'm gonna give up my looks. <laughs> yeah. The real struggle she goes through. Well she's she's not giving them up, she's just putting them aside. She's now. just letting mud stick to them, apparently. You know, it'd be interesting if they actually did do that, but that's not even where this book is gonna go. So that's that's the real shame, is that they're like you're like, maybe she can develop and be like, I personally have a problem with vanity that I can overcome, but let's see. Does it go that way, Daryl? Uh no. First, we have this. <laughs> what is going on in the scene? Side journey. For Batman and Robin dress up as hipsters, <laughs> as the comic book calls that, and they're going to meet an informant that tells them of where the sports spoilers go. Can you just describe what their hipster costumes are? <laughs> uh, I think you would do it better. Okay, so Batman has like a chin strap beard and like this weird like Beatles haircut. And Robin is just walking around with, like, a bob haircut and playing guitar as they walk down the street. And look what they're, like, we're, he's wearing a white tucked-in shirt into his capris. Like they, <laughs> and he has sandals on. And, and sandals. sandals. Yeah. It's so weird. And I was only, like, half paying attention when I read this. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Who are these people? <laughs> so then they go and see this guy that looks like Tio from Breaking Bad. And then they see that he has cards in his hands. And his name's Stuffy. Also, they're in disguise, but call each other Bruce and Dick the whole time. Yeah. What a terrible yeah. disguise. And I, I really like that uh, Batman points out to Robin. He, he says, Dick, in his hands. Because <laughs> <laughs> the guy is like, our cards is on the table with his cards in his hands. So yeah. he's been shot, and when as he's bleeding out, his thought is, I'm going to tell Batman and Robin the clue by holding up cards in my hands. So, he's holding up a king of hearts and a queen of hearts in his hands, straight up, actually, as he's shot on the table. I like it when, like, guys get shot, and then, like, in their blood, they write, like, the full name of the killer. <laughs> no, you know what? That That is something a person would think to do, to, to try to give it away. They might write a note. They would not hold up the king of hearts and the queen of hearts and say... He'll understand that oh. kings and queens are royalty. That means a royal happening is happening today in Gotham City. And it's for the heart fund. It's about cryptic his oh messages. My God. I better leave a riddle. I'm about to die. <laughs> I like to imagine he just pulls out an ass, Batman Robin. He's lucky. I've actually had this theory about Batman for a while, and like when characters like the Riddler leave all these complex riddles, Batman just makes it work. <laughs> That's what he done in uh, Batman Odyssey. He just, like, I, I, I just guessed. <laughs> yeah, I guessed. It, it, right? There has to be yeah. some triple meaning. Yeah. Also, uh, they find the body. They uh, they talk for, like, uh, like, ten minutes while they discuss the clues. And then there's finally they check, oh, he's actually alive. Let's check his pulse after, like, ten minutes of talking. <laughs> now let's call an ambulance, I guess. Oh, he's still alive, but we're not going to, like, ask him what's going on. <laughs> anyway, yeah. he's still alive, and they, they discovered that the next place the sports brothers are going is this uh, royal happening, where they're playing high lie. It's like a weird renaissance fair. The, well, the, the sports brothers come out playing high lie, and they start uh, <laughs> throwing balls at the cops. And then Batman and Robin come out again. Nice butt shot. And Batman jumps into dudes, and Robin starts fighting them. And where is Barbara? She's in a dress. She's dressed as Queen Victoria. Yeah. 
They always call her the Domino Dare Doll. She doesn't even wear a Domino mask. Just a cow. Yeah. Also, she can't be a daredevil because she's a girl. <laughs> what, Phil? What? So. Excuse me. Everyone else, they they call them daredevils, and then they're like, she she's a dare doll. Phil, don't you get it? Men are the devil. Yeah. Oh, she's pretty. That's why she's a doll. That's it. Yeah. Oh. So speaking of how pretty she is, what does she do now? Yeah. So she runs up and she says, "I count nine of them. That's only three for each of a sandal. What a spot for feminine frailty." Now and then, suddenly she complains about what's on the cover that she has a run in her tights and then ev- like all of the sports spoilers look over with like these really <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> blue eyes <laughs> they're basically like wolf whistling yeah. at her like they even have like whistled notes flying and they give us her. this gem what yeah. a pair of gams jeez yeah and the shot is literally just her leg seductively from the side and all of them even batman and robin like uh, robin's not probably we know how robin is <laughs> just staring at her leg uh it's great and this is when batman's like now i should fuck her and then batman killing joke was made yeah that this is the precursor yeah. to killing joke. so the whole team uh finishes off the sports spoilers and batman turns to batgirl after and says you see batgirl that was one time where you turned a feminine trait to your advantage and the disadvantage of the criminals Robin says, it sure was lucky for Batman and me that you tore your tights when you did, or we might have wound up on the short end of the score. And she, later on, she doesn't even tell them this. She just thinks to herself, I just didn't have the heart to tell Batman and Robin that I tore my tights deliberately to give me an excuse for showing off my leg and distracting those crooks. The fact that my feminine weakness betrayed me so often in the past, I just had to prove it as its strong points too. And that's how, literally, that's how this ends, where... Yeah. It's just, it's crazy to me that this is, like, a, a her struggling with her uh, vanity, and it literally ends with her being like, yeah, but me being a dumb girl, like, sometimes it's good, because guys will just want to, like, just stare at how hot I am. Alright, to ask you, Phil. Yeah. So this is around the same, this is not that far off from the Valkyrie issue. It's like three years, right? Yeah. Valkyrie issue, we said it was trash, like you're a Dean Bull. Uh, We're talking about it, the Avengers Valkyrie issue? The Hulk yeah, one? Yeah, the Avengers one. Okay. So, like, knowing this was the this is this this is way worse. So, yeah, like, right. so does that change your opinion on the Valkyrie a little bit? To know that at least Marvel was trying to improve things. Um, it's hard because I do like when I read something to read it not in a vacuum, but I do like to judge it on its own merits a lot. I know this is something we we've talked about before, and people always talk about like, is it fair to judge a book based on the stuff that's that's around it? Uh, on on its own merits, I think the Valkyrie one is still pretty fucking bad, but. Uh, if we're comparing it from a social standpoint, like two companies trying to deal with like sexism, um, I do I do feel a little bit better about the Valkyrie one now because even though the Enchantress magic bullshit really that she got dumped like really makes it it's it really makes it really bad. This whole this whole time in this issue is just pretty offensive. Also, and, I feel like the Marvel issues are like we're trying to do this. Like we know what we have a point that we're trying to do. Where the DC, that issue, the Batgirl issue is just so like, it's yeah. so conservative status quo to me that it's like, no, women are allowed to be objects. Don't worry about even, it. Even the Fantastic Four stuff we read where it was like, oh, Sue's proving that a girl's still a girl. Like, she never once went into battle yeah. and went like, I'm going to try and be sexy to seduce yeah. guys. Yeah, no, I will definitely agree. Like, Batgirl is yeah. like, I'll use my legs to attract these men. And Batman's like, this is awesome. It's it's obvious that that Marvel went even when failing did try whereas this it does not seem like they're like let's try to show how women have other strengths besides their looks. This is like that is their strength yeah. and weakness. Yeah. Is that they're vain. 
This is shit. <laughs> yeah. So to stay on topic of Batman and, and sexism, Ryan, I'm probably gonna need some help with this one because there's a lot of plot We're, that's bizarre. You gonna need some help with it because you actually like it. Okay. Oh fuck you, Ryan. I don't like it. It's just I. You said you I did. Do. You said you liked okay, it. It's you not said good, you enjoyed it. But it's. I think it's. I enjoyed it. I think it's fun. Ryan says it's his favorite comic of all time. So, Batman 214. John 316. Okay. So this is. Written by Frank Robbins, art by Irv Novick and Joe Gillia. Do you know any of these people, Ryan? No. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, DC at the time has this problem where I don't know most of these people aside from, like, Kevin Reiger. Robert Robert Kaniger. Yeah, that, that's DC's problem. Yeah. You don't like, know them. Fuck you, DC. <laughs> yeah, this is August 1969, so it's very soon after the last one. But there's, there's a lot, there's, since I feel, I feel like DC had a lot less... Like, writers matter a lot less at DC for a while. But Marvel also made all their creators, like, personalities in the books. I know, but, like, but like I feel like the writers have more, like, they were more crucial to the direction of the book well, than DC writers. One thing that actually I think very ties into this, at this time, Julie Schwartz is the editor. And what Julie Schwartz would do is he would design a cover or have an artist design a cover that's like, whoa, look how crazy this is. Don't you want to read this? And then have the writers and the artists make the story off of that concept. Yeah. So they were very, like, not continuity heavy. And that's why we have, like, wouldn't it be crazy if Batgirl's costume tricked thugs? Or, like, in this case, it's a bunch of women protesting that Batman's a bachelor, including Batgirl. Yeah, this, is, this was an insane concept to me. Yeah, and that's the thing is what he would do is he would try to get, like, covers that kids would be like, whoa, what is this? Like, why is the Flash so fat? Or why is Superman old? And, like, then the writers would have to base it off of that idea. So yeah. that's why they're so stupid. Is this more or less insane than a Hulk f- fundraiser? Definitely more. I think more. Try to get Batman married? <laughs> no, no, not trying to. That all the women of Gotham become incensed, and they're like, I can't have peace unless he's married. Yeah, there's all these women around <laughs> Batman, like Ryan said. The signs say, well, Bat- Batgirl's part of the protest, too. Say, Batman, unfair to Batgirl. Basically, I guess saying, uh, he won't marry me. It's unfair. Down and, with bachelors, up uh, with husbands. But yeah. only one husband. Yeah. P- pair power, down with singles. Batman must marry. Wanted for marriage. Yeah. So the first page is basically the same thing. And but this time, Batman's thinking, Batgirl's joined the wedding parade, too? The one girl in Gotham I thought I could trust not to fall in love with me. <laughs> oh, God. I hate DC so much. It's so bad. So. <sighs> Wait, you have to read this little narrative blurb. I love these intros. They're, they're, they really set up the shit city that you're going to get. So A, a new, new kind, kind of revolt, revolt has hit Gotham, Gotham City. city. <laughs> and rocked <laughs> To its foundation. You know what, Phil? You, you read this one. A go-go, go-for-broke, all-out campaign to remove the most eligible male from circulation. Has fear of spinsterhood broken down all female barriers? Or is something more sinister behind this mass move to get Batman? How can the dynamic crime fighters cope with a mysterious amorphous threat? Amorphous. <laughs> Women are an amorphous threat. Like, you never understand them. Yeah. I guess. So, as all great uh, feminist story tales start, it starts at a beauty contest. <laughs> Queen of <Yeah>. Gotham. <laughs> and the pr- the most coveted prize for this beauty contest is they get a night on the town with the most eligible bachelor, Batman. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, while this is going on, there's a bunch of, like, gangsters watching it. And one of them goes... 
oh, the night I've always dreamed of. And everyone else starts making fun of him because he's like, you can't like this. What you mean, Strack? You ain't no doll. Yeah, like, you're not even allowed to like this show. You're a man. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically the gangsters are like, no, Batman's going to be like on this televised thing all night. We'll know where he is. We could do whatever we want. So I thought they were going to go on like a crime spree. But no, it's way stupider. They do. They do. They do, but that's part one. That's part one of the plan. Yeah, that's only, only part, part one. one. And also, I like that they, they, they were like, oh, uh, let's just do a plan, boss, because Robin will be out. And when they make the TV station says, oh, don't worry, guys, Robin is here too in the audience just to watch. There's no one on patrol, guys. No one on patrol. No, yeah, yeah. I love this idea too that no one's ever thought about this. Like, if Batman's always showing up at TV and stuff, like, isn't he. Doesn't he know that people will know he's not going to stop them? Yeah. That's what was so confused about. We're so used to Batman being able to pre-plan everything in advance. The way Batman's like, I'm just going to go out on the town with this girl. And Robin's like, I'm going to stay home and watch him and live vicariously through him. <laughs> he says that. <laughs> and and then these guys are like, let's just rob a bunch of banks. And they get away with it. You see, Nemes- <laughs> Nemesis would have known better than do this. Yeah. No, if, if, if Nemesis was Batman here... As the robbers got to the banks, there would be three seconds left on the bomb and they'd explode. A lot of people complain about Silver Age DC for a myriad of reasons, but one of which is that the cops don't exist. And, like, Marvel would have cops. Like, they might might always rely on the superheroes, but this is like they don't even exist. I've always thought that Gotham is, like, it's an impossible city because for the amount of crime and obviously, like, incompetence of the police force... At the same time, you have this extremely wealthy society that is living, like, good lives. You can't have those we two. We can't. You're all corrupt. I guess so. Well, when you have, like, Crime Alley where, like, you walk there and instantly die. And then you have, like, <laughs> the nice part. It just doesn't make I just can't imagine a city like this existing. Well, in a... No, it makes sense. Because, like, in a Randy in Paradise, the rich people could hire their own security forces. Yeah. Okay. And Gotham PD is just like a bunch of lackeys just there to get beat up. Yeah, they're just there to mooch off the government teeth and they don't actually do anything. Right. Okay, I get it. Batman is an action, a captain of industry, an entrepreneur trying to capitalize his own uh, police force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of panels of just the gangsters like reiterating their plan over and over and over again for no reason. And then this is when they send in Cleo, part B of the plan. And it's just like a sexy femme fatale. Very like 1960s, like woman. She looks like she'll be she'll be at home on the Bond film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love this. The plan is so great too because they're like, if he's busy one night with this girl, if we get him married, he's gonna be stuck at home forever. Because if you're a married man, like you're just enslaved. Yeah, ball and so, chain. Yeah, all you gotta do. I said I was trying to say this, I was trying to explain this concept to Christy earlier, and I was like, yeah, the old whip and chain or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's apparently ball and chain, yeah. but whip and chain's a different kind of relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they want to get him married so that he's just stuck at home and can't fight crime. That's yeah. literally their plan. Also, we should have pointed out when he calls for Cleo when she first shows up, she says, "You whistled, boss." Like she said, "Lap dog." Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And uh, she she goes to uh, the basic plan is to go to advertising company. Yeah, she goes to some advertising company, and she's like, "I don't have an appointment, but I do have a million dollars." And the advertiser like runs out, and he's like, "I'm sorry, my receptionist is a fucking idiot. Give me your million dollars." Yeah. She's a woman, after yeah. all. And basically, there's a bunch of like madmen media executives. You should mention yep. the name of the, her organization that she claims to represent. Web Web Women to End Bachelorhood, and it's B A T Bachelor. And basically, she wants a big marketing campaign to convince people that Batman shouldn't be single. Basically, they say 
the one barrier to happy marriage of golf from the symbol of all male uh, the symbol of all single male eligible is Batman. Basically, as long as Batman shows how cool it is to be single, uh, marriage will never be, seem cool. The ball and chain will never seem cool, I guess. Unlock that whip and chain. Yeah. <laughs> they start advertising with, like, they're on milk bottles and dropping flyers out of planes. And people instantly are like, yes, he, this is, th- I'm, I'm totally won over by this. Not, not just people, just women. Yeah, yeah, there's not one man that's a part of this group. That's a, that's like the craziest thing about this. Yeah, why would men care? Because men don't care about marriage. You only get get married by women who like tie them down and stuff, guys. Right? Yeah, they're only yeah. in it for the sex. They just get tied down after. I, I also want to point <laughs> yeah. out, like, the, the, all the women are, are obsessed with uh, getting Batman married now. While there's a crime spree going on, <laughs> yeah, the crime spree is like barely mentioned, and that, that's what's crazy is like the fact that it's not like this was a crazy plan by some villains. It's like that every single woman in Gotham is like this. They just fall for it. Like everyone falls for yeah. it. Yeah. They're like, no, we do have to get Ma- Batman married. And I mean, in a page, all of a sudden there's like thousands of people lining the streets protesting. Thousands of women, including Batgirl. So this is when we get the cover uh, the cover scene. So now, like, Batman's trying to escape. Batman and Robin are trying to escape in the Batmobile, and every street is filled with mobs and mobs of women. I, I think it's kind of funny that Batman shows up and he's like, oh my god, we need to retreat. Like, he can't, he <laughs> yeah. can't handle it. The yeah. one thing he can't, this is his kryptonite. <laughs> Just women. <laughs> one thing, I mentioned Julie Schwartz before. One thing I want to point out is not only did they lean so hard on this kind of plot at this era because they really wanted to stress that Batman wasn't gay. But when Julie Schwartz took over, his goal was to make Batman more realistic because he didn't want, like, as many, like, crazy aliens and, like, imps from other dimensions. So this was his idea of realistic stories. Like, the Batman, the Adam West show is supposed to be grounded in realism. It is realistic. The threat of marriage looms over all men. If if you're not careful enough, you'll have mobs of women with signs chasing after you aren't women the weakness of every man guys not all women right. because as batman tries to escape suddenly from an unnoticed alley chloe in like a really cool sports car cleo looks, cleo what did i say chloe chloe, chloe. whatever you watch much smallville lately ryan is that even a character <laughs> yeah you said you watched two seasons of it like what was odd that's not important i watched two seasons too it's like saying i watched uh spider-man who's this peter parker character okay is is Chloe uh, Superman? <laughs> Clark Kent. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe's like, uh, she's like Lois Lane of that show. Basically. I thought there was Lana Lang. Why are we talking about this when Joe's not here? <laughs> is it important? <laughs> so she like cuts off the mob and like saves Batman. And Robin's like, we've been reprieved by another female. So then they escape and they do the like racing side by side. Like like all, the old James Bond thing of like two sports cars racing side by side. Yeah. And Batman's like, thanks a lot. You're an angel in disguise. And she, like, smoke screens everybody. And she basically just tells Batman to, like, fuck off. I don't need you. You're an asshole. Yeah. And then yep. she's like, eat uh, eat my dust. Bite my dust? Eat my ass? <laughs> S- sniff my dust. <laughs> sniff my dust. <laughs> Whatever. She's, she leaves and she's like, haha, now if I brush him off, I'll be the only woman in Gotham who doesn't care about him. And since reverse psychology says that he now will want me... Uh, he's gonna want me, and he's Batman immediately falls for it. This is why I think this it, this issue is so fun and stupid, because because you are fun and stupid. <laughs> yeah, but not only is uh, all is it so like sexist towards women. There's also this element of like 
Batman is so easily manipulated as a man, and it's so over the top across the board that I'm like, oh, this is just so dumb. Like, it's they're not trying to do anything because it's just stupid. The thing is, I find that I find that it, it actually, even though you show the men being easily manipulated, it still ends up being sexist towards women because oh women, no, definitely, definitely, they're always portrayed as like these temptresses that like men can't control themselves, so women are the ones always driving them to be rapists and things like that. It's like it's like it's not my fault. It's the women that are the evil ones. They're the devils. So it's like Batman, he, he's the, he can't help himself. He's the victim oh, no, here. I'm not saying that the, that doing both makes it okay. I'm saying it really shows how little care they're putting in towards making any point. No, I, I still think it's bad because the, the, the counterpoint is that Batman isn't actually, like, he never says he falls for her. He just thinks about her. As opposed to what happens later on when someone says they fell for her. Just, just to defend Ryan here because he clearly needs it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to be saying, basically saying this book is not really trying to say anything. It's just, it, it, it's, it's probably just trying to go with a story about woman, uh, this quirky concept of woman uh, trying to uh, date Batman. And it's not really thinking about the social implications of what it's doing, but like, it's, it's, but that's why it's bad because it's inadvertently. Yeah, I'm saying, but I'm saying that the other one was like really a slog to get through this one pushed into so bad it's good category for me because i was like this is so even more ridiculous where it's not like it's not like look at these gams but it's like this is such an out there concept in every single i found the the gams one more fun yeah Yeah. i i think that's that's funnier but it's worse this this one i do agree with ryan this is a step up especially because i like a part of it is about manipulating batman also, uh, we were saying like uh, the Chloe. Uh, you got me saying Cleo. Cleo uh, was doing reverse psychology. They also mentioned that he's pres- she's presenting himself as a strong, independent woman to contrast herself with the girls of Gotham because they f- they figure that's what Batman won. So there is, but they completely undo that. I, they do, but I'm, ju- but I'm just saying like I'm just saying that uh, she's a step up from Batgirl. But the thing is, this whole book to me is just like, look how manipulated literally every character in this whole story is. Like how easily manipulated. And I just find that so funny. I don't. But, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not going to like die on this yeah, hill. Yeah, we, we should keep going. <laughs> yeah. So basically, it kind of just keeps repeating this again and again where they're like robbing a bank and the women get in the way and Cleo saves Batman and Robin. And this happens like three or four times. Yeah. And does anything of value really happen between then and the end? Well, Cleo, Cleo is like, when she chases off the women, she's like, you're trying to achieve by force what you can't but gain by feminine wiles. I'm the, like, like you were saying, I'm a strong, independent woman. And Batman, again, is like, wow, over and over. He's like, she's so cool. And he's like, whatever. She's like, see ya. She doesn't care about him. or She acts like she doesn't. And that's basically just happens over and over. And yeah. then basically he... Batman catches her at a robbery, so, like, she's working with the bad guys, and she, and even though this is the point where they're supposed to corner Batman, she betrays the the goons, judo throws them, and saves Batman again, and this is when she makes her big reveal, that we're all part of one huge put-on, I was supposed to be marriage bait, but I've ended up the poor fish, I've been hooked by you, and now the dream is over, and she's crying. <laughs> And, and this is these are some great lines here. Finally figured it out, eh, Cleo? Strack ain't no marriage broker. He was just using you to set Batman up for a kill. So now you can both be joined in homie, holy homicide. <laughs> <laughs> homie homicide. <laughs> um, 
And then Batgirl comes in and says, I object, and kicks him in the face. Yeah, yeah, so Batgirl's like, I was just trying to infiltrate the organization. I saved everybody. And this is when, like, Batgirl reveals, like, the whole plot. And Chloe's just, Cleo, is just crying. And it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll go quietly, but, you know, I just... I, lo- I love you, Batman. Yeah, I love you. And Batman's like, too bad you're a crook. Get fucked. And this is, this is why I think the story is not as bad as the Batgirl one. Because uh, it is sexist to a lot of women, but it also does present the idea of a strong f- female character with... No, but she was not she strong. She instantly becomes a slave to no, her emotions. Batgirl, Batgirl does. Batgirl, she's to be... I guess oh, Batgirl. Batgirl's one of the But she's everyone. a non-character here. She shows like, up at the end I know, but, like, hey, I, I did everything. That's, that's fair, but she's also the one who saves everyone. Like, that's that's, that's a big that's thing. True. The one line that I really like about this that actually stood out was when Cleo turns herself in and says, I wanted a ring from you, Batman, but it looks like I'm going to settle for a bracelet, like handcuffs. I'm like, okay, I like this. (laughs) But then she gives up the location of the main crooks and Batgirl pretends to be Cleo with Batman tied up in the back and they beat the goons and Cleo gets clemency because she turned them all in. End of story. Yeah. Oh, you forgot the last line. All the women, like, throw away all their Batman is unfair to marriage signs because they're fickle, of course. Yeah. And uh, Robin says, mm, looks like the women's crusade has folded up its tents and tearfully stolen away, Batman. Once the news came out that they were being used by the mob, and Batman finishes, they realized that you can lead a bachelor to the altar, but you can't make him say, I do. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that is really great. Yeah. I mean, I just... This this comic is so dull on so many levels, but I just love the idea that like not only are women so easily manipulated, but the idea of marriage to him is like so, like, like scary. He's like, this is my like you were saying, like it's his kryptonite. He's like, I can't have this happen. He doesn't want to get tied down. That's what pushes it into the so bad it's good because for me because it's so so over the top. I kind of view it as like uh, Sonic the Hedgehog because Sega says Sonic can never get married because he has to represent freedom. Is that a thing? Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's it's crazy. I mean, I'm I you know I might be biased because I have the old whip and chain around here somewhere. <laughs> but, but, like uh, the idea that like if Batman gets falls in love and gets married, he's like fucked forever, but not in the good way. Like he's like he can never be Batman again. And I do understand the idea that you know you endanger your family if you start a family. But they don't. That doesn't get mentioned. They, they don't go into that. He's just like yeah. I want to sleep with a lot of women and I can't. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck that comic. All right, so... <laughs> yeah. So what's next? So now we're getting into racial issues. Which one should we do? Superboy or Teen Titans first? Uh, Superboy. All right, The so... worst of them all. I keep saying they're all the worst, but it's just hard. When I see the cover, I'm like, oh, this was the worst thing I read, but... Uh, yeah, it's hard. To... It's a toss between <laughs> these. But now uh, we talked about how Stanley was good with racial issues. Now we touch upon how poor DC was. And keep in mind, this was... Several, uh, this was 1970. Holy shit, 1976. This is 1976. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, it's like 10. What the fuck, DC? Okay. <laughs> Superboy starting Legion of Superheroes issue 216. And basically, the cover is a guy who dresses, who's dressed in like a bathing elf, suit. Like a bathing suit mixed with Elvis costume. Yeah, uh, it's like an Elvis bathing suit. Yeah. It's an Elvis top. Oh, bathing suit bottle. But it's a one piece. <laughs> yeah. It's a black guy wearing this awful costume surrounded by other uh, uh, black people. And they're all sh- yelling at Superboy and these, this other superior team called Legion of Superheroes. And they're saying, stay out of our city or be slaughtered legionnaires. We despise everything you stand for. 
So just to give some backstory on Legion, uh, they first appeared in Superboy. And Superboy was a series that took place when Superman was growing up in Smallville and learning to become Superman. With with Lady Cleo or whatever, right? <laughs> <laughs> Marry me, Superman. <laughs> and uh, basically, uh, one, of the, one of the stories was uh, the superhero team from the future called Legion of Superheroes comes to the past to meet Superboy. And they tell him, like, you influenced all superheroes after you. You're like our idol. And from the 30th century. From the 30th century. And basically, like, um, uh, they were so popular, like, they basically became a recurring feature. And basically, they spun off into their own series. They had a cartoon a few years back. And uh, Ryan does not like the least of superiors because there's a fucking million members on this team. Yeah, okay. I know. I recognize they're a beloved franchise and a wing of the DC Universe people love. There are, we will see in this issue, just this issue alone, there are dozens and dozens of characters, and I have yet to find the personality of any of them. <laughs> so, uh, getting to, just to give backstory, the artist and writing <laughs> crew is, the writer is Carrie Bates, and the artist is Mike Grell. Uh Ryan, uh, do you know um, Carrie Bates? Carrie Bates wrote The Flash for a really long time, and wrote, so, like, to me, the definitive Barry Allen writer. And, like, he does usually pretty great work especially around the late 70s early 80s and uh that's not what we get here <laughs> and mike grell uh the artist he is uh notable because he was the uh his his green arrow run was basically the run that made uh arrow into a super greedy uh hero willing to kill who fights uh social issues and stuff so like if you watch the show arrow uh mike grell's green arrow is what uh, really let that to be possible. Uh, he yeah. let Green Arrow move from the campy origin. So this should be like an all-star cast for 1976. Yeah. And just to give some more backstory, sorry for all the backstory, <laughs> but I find it very fascinating. All this lore. <laughs> so, uh, basically, there was a, uh, interest in having a Black Legionnaire for a long time. Uh, and people would propose them, and they would get rejected by the editors. So the Legion was over a decade old at this point, I believe, and they're all white. Yeah. That's what's crazy to me. It's like that they don't have a black guy, but they have a green man and a blue girl. Yeah, but they're like, well, black people—that's yeah, that's too much. So, well, it's because like, like, like this. We'll see later when they have blue people and green people. They're really just white people that are yes. like palette swap. Yes, like, in green face. I'll, I'll I'll talk about that later at the end. But it really bothered me about this whole thing. Yeah, yeah and it's a, okay. and uh, basically this. Uh, the, the, they finally introduced the first black legionnaire of the story, and it was an editorial mandate. And Mike Grell, the artist I mentioned, hated it so much he purposely gave him a bathing suit. Elvis costume. Now, did he hate it because they didn't want to put in a black person, or it no, had he, to be this story? No, he hated it because like this is after all this time we wait for a black guy and you make give us this shit. Fuck you. Okay. DC. Now, finally, get to the story. Sorry, I love comic history and really. <laughs> Tell me more. You should start a podcast. So the story is the hero who hated the Legion, and it opens up with I I hate this story on two fronts. One is for <laughs> the the racial issues. As the second is that it's a very poorly told story. I yes. couldn't figure out what was going on for most of it, and the way, like, everything concludes is so ham-fisted and awkward. Like, yeah. this just doesn't... It's not a good story at all. Yeah. They keep introducing things, and there's, like... It's just so much plot. You said you didn't realize that they were supposed to be in the future in the beginning? Yeah, because yeah. they're talking about between the years of 1957 and 2976. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, what year is this? Yeah, especially because it doesn't seem like the future at all. Yeah! And and you have Superboy there, and I'm like, so this is still, like, the 70s, right? 
<laughs> a thousand years later. Uh, Superboy went to the future, just FYI. And this is before, like, collected editions existed. Could you imagine just picking this up, like, being, like, 12 and not knowing anything except, like, I know Superman. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, between that period that Daryl mentioned, 1957 and 2009, <laughs> 2975, uh, a satellite was launched to orbit, and now it's basically... Uh, plumbing towards earth and the legion is like oh we have to um what was it there's a, there's a fortune inside that satellite of rare uh, gems and uh Zygold jewels i love too yeah. how a thousand years in the future they can't have an, uh, a satellite orbit that doesn't degrade even though we can do that today it's like so why was the satellite filled with gems Someone who was dying wanted to hide it up there. They go into it later. It doesn't fucking matter, but it's some criminals, like, when I die, the gang can pick up the satellite and get the gems yeah. or something. But, uh, oh so, God. most of the legions of matter, like Ryan said, there's many of them. I will point out that one of them is Karate Kid. Uh, nothing to do with the 1988 Karate Kid. I wish. I wondered that, too. <laughs> I was like, is this, which Karate Kid is it? So, uh... <laughs> So the team goes... This panel was so confusing, too, because it goes... It cuts to another panel, and there's other people flying around, and there's just speech bubbles coming out of it. So I was like, is this the Superboy team? Oh, welcome to a Legion book. Every page is ten more <laughs> characters, and none of them matter. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we have the initial scene where they're discussing this. Then it cuts to them in the ship, and you just see from the ship text bubbles protruding with no indication of who's talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the ship... The ship is talking. Well, you can tell because of the characters' distinct personalities and voices. Oh no, uh, it's important to say what are they? What is the ship saying? Too the island city of Marzel, an independent, totally self-sufficient community populated entirely by a black race that wants nothing to do with the. Outside oh yeah, world. I have to get. I love that. It's just like a black race. You mean humans or like I don't? <laughs> no black race. I have to mention this. Um, so uh, Legion is supposed to be in like an ideal future where like superheroes have won basically and create their own army of superheroes. So in this ideal future, people wonder, like, what happened to all the black people in this ideal perfect world? In uh, DC's ideal perfect world, all the black people <laughs> went to their own island to separate themselves from everyone else. I love, And they all fit in one city. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically, as they go land, uh, the, the, the mob, the betas, a space mob, comes to uh, steal the gems. And, uh, but before the Legion can come to stop them... They hear uh, a loud, piercing scream, and all the betas uh, jetpacks. They're flying on jetpacks. All the jetpacks explode before they can land on Marzel. I need Sly. I need you to to actually give us what these speech bubbles sound like. Yeah, <laughs> Reg. R R Y G G G. Great yeah, sound. Yeah, Reg. Reg is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so where where are these speech bubbles coming from, Sly? So they're coming from Tyrog, the Elvis bathing suit guy. <laughs> Um. Uh, so he has like super screaming, and he can make bubbles appear from the sky and capture all the betas. So he has miracle voice, is what they call it. Every time he yells, a miracle happens. What the fuck is that? He goes wag, and the betas just fly to space. I like how they're called betas. Ty- typical beta males are not good like us fucking uh, alphas. Yeah, the the legion the legions are the alphas, and these guys are betas. Yeah. <sighs> uh, the MRI is one. This is the future. Uh, yeah. So, uh, like you said, he has a miracle voice. So that miracle voice doesn't deflect beams and capture people in bubbles and stuff. Yeah, and when he goes "oh you," he teleports away. <laughs> yeah, "oh you," he yells out. I like that this whole comic. We're all trying to be him. <laughs> well, it's just crazy because you're like, who is this black guy in an Elvis bathing suit? And he's just going around going "urig." Ooh, I have to imagine that's also my girl trying to put on this guy. <laughs> So now, okay, even though he has a miracle voice, he doesn't tell anybody anything. He yeah. plays a video? 
And he yeah. says basically like, oh, the Legion are here. Uh, what's what's so weird is this is pre-recorded. Like he didn't record it himself. It's like I'm I was preparing for this in advance. It's like why can't you just? I know why people come to Black Society. But then day. later on in this pre-recorded tape, he is explicitly talking about like the gems and the guys. <laughs> he can see future his miracle voice. <laughs> he goes, and he sees the future. Basically, Tyrek says the Legion never helped us black people, so now fuck them. We can't help them. And uh, basically, the the Legion's like, oh, we have to go find uh, the betas because they're the gems. The gems fell in the, yeah. in Marzal. You gotta have to find, find the gems, and the betas are there looking for gems. And Tyrock infiltrates the group while the pre-recorded message was playing. Wait, can I, can I point out one small thing? Yeah. Speaking of comic book people just talking while they're doing actions, Karate Kid is <laughs> punching rocks and goes, I'm pulverizing these huge chunks that Superboy didn't catch. And he's, he saves these people by punching rocks, and they're all like, get out of here, Whitey, fuck you. <laughs> they don't say Whitey. They just say, get out of Marzal, we didn't ask yeah. you to save us. Get out of here, honky. Yeah. honky. <laughs> yeah, his pre-recorded message at this point says, as soon as I find out why the betas have infiltrated Marzal, I will take them into custody. When did he fucking record this message? <laughs> Earlier today. Five minutes ago, yeah. So basically, the uh, Tyrock infiltrated the group while he was playing that very specific pre-recorded message. And uh, basically, uh, the gems are bathed in radiation. So even after he takes out the betas, uh, the radiation starts making him sick. And uh, he's too weak to, he's too weak to uh, <laughs> call out to them. So he, he, he does a... Uh, uh, Kissy face. Supersonic whistle. Uh, it is the most butthole mouth I've ever seen. In yeah, yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's basically supposed to indicate he's whispering, uh, and basically his voice is so magic. And I love my grill, and this guy's just got a butthole for a face. Yeah, so basically the Legion uh, picks it up with a device, uh, his kissy face. And uh, Superboy goes. No, and... Superboy hears the supersonic, like, whispering or whistling. Oh, yeah, so. Uh, oh, you. And uh, he goes and picks up the ge- the, uh, the gems and takes the whole entire satellite and throws it to space. Superboy does. And uh, Tyrock's like... that idea. Like, These gems that kill people, I'll just throw it. Not to the sun, just into space. Well, all the aliens can just fuck off. They can deal with that I shit. mean, space is pretty fucking big. Like No, but this is this is comics where things just don't like disappear forever. Oh, true. Yeah. I just imagine <laughs> it's like that episode of Futurama where uh, they shoot the, all that garbage into space and it comes back like every couple years and kills everyone. <laughs> but, um... So yeah, so Tyrock is like, I'm sorry for being racist against you. Truly, us black people are the true racist. And this is when Superboy says, when it comes to race, we're colorblind. Blue skin, and he points to the blue person. Yellow skin, and he points to the Asian person. Karate <laughs> and kid. green skin, and points to Brainiac. I didn't catch that, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, this is one of the worst stuff, like parts of the book, which is crazy because this book is shit, but, like... The idea that, like, I mean, this this is the 70s, but the idea that, like, to not be racist, just be colorblind. It's, it's like, like what we're saying, like, the feminist trope of, you know, oh, you got dumped, so you're a feminist. The racism trope is just, like, just act white. It's fine. Yeah, yeah exactly. They're like, we, we accept people with blue skin, yellow skin, and green skin, but really, they're all Midwestern white people with palette swaps. Like, that's, they all act the same. The idea that, like... Also, on their planets, they're the majority. They're still yeah. majority people. And the idea that, like... You're not supposed to show diversity because that's racist. You just have to be colorblind and make pretend everyone's white is like, it's just if you point out race, it, you're you're the real racist. Yeah, right. That's that's like I, it's a really old school way of thinking about race and like yeah, I mean, the I I don't see races. Yeah, yeah. Instead of being like, it's okay that people are different. Instead of being like, it's fine that you're like different than me. I treat you equally. Exactly. Like you can embrace your heritage and culture. That's yeah. cool. You don't have to be, like, as white as I am. 
He's like, be like a legionnaire. Be like, you know, you're from Kansas. And he's like, okay, he does. And that's how the comic ends. Yeah. I also, <laughs> on top of all the horrible stuff, uh, I never even thought about that. Karate Kid is Asian. And he's like the first Asian legionnaire. So this, that was the first black legionnaire. And Karate Kid was the first Asian legionnaire. And here they're saying, oh, even if you have yellow skin, like Karate Kid over here, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. like what the yeah. fuck? And I love too how he's so against the legion for being neglected, his people. And then immediately he's just like, long live the legion. I'm yeah. white now too. So he's a like true Uncle Tom, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell that Karate Kid was Asian from this comic. It might be like my my modern perspective, but I just assumed that he just knew karate. Not that I, I, was... I thought that too. I had to go. I just checked it out while you guys were talking. Why else would Superboy point at him and say, "Look at his fucking yellow skin"? Yeah, I know. I I don't know. I was trying to get the book to benefit the doubt, like, but no. He I only him. realized that at that point too. Like, <laughs> yeah. that makes it even worse. That's how that's how palette swap it is. Like Phil's saying, we could we didn't even know this character who's one of the most featured characters of the book. We didn't know he was Asian until Superman makes a racist comment about him. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to bring up is that I thought it was funny how he yells at them. And it's like, were you, were you guys to help us when we were suffering through our energy drought or the terrible ion storm of last spring? How many times we could have used their help, but they were always somewhere else. And then, like, they only came there to get the gems and then they just leave with their, their strongest person. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's like, fuck your people. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, they're not like they're not like we promised to help you from now. Like the stupid Superman, give me your phone number spiel. <laughs> you don't even say that. You just leave with the one man that helps them. Yeah. Oh, you. I don't think I've ever felt more proud of this show than when Daryl mentioned a bit from an episode that he wasn't on. It's like, well, somebody <laughs> listens. <laughs> That's my favorite thing. I love the idea of Superman being like, "I'll personally help you." It's like, no, you won't. <laughs> don't fucking lie to me. <laughs> yeah. No, lie to, lie to a child, too. Yeah. So the, the Legion wasn't the first teen superhero team to in DC to tackle racism. Oh now God. let's segue to the Teen Titans. This is way earlier. This is 1971. Yeah, uh, this, just to clarify, this is World's Finest issue uh, 205. World's Finest is a book that usually featured... Superman and Batman teaming up. Uh, this is the one. This is a series we did for the Batman Superman Tentacle Incest uh, uh, story. Yeah. Uh, but this was earlier than that, and uh, in the sixties, and we featured the Teen Titans and Superman. I've read almost all of the Silver Age Teen Titans, and it's not good any of it. Oh yeah, and I should mention that uh, Teen. This is before Teen Titans really took off. They didn't take off until the 80s when they introduced Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, basically the team you know today. Yeah, I had no idea who these Teen Titans were. Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah, yeah. so, and until uh, then, Teen Titans was what it felt like what it actually was. Old people trying to write teenagers. Yeah. And this issue is written by Steve Skeets, art by Dick Dillon and Joe Gillia, and it's still a Julie Schwartz issue. Yeah. So, Phil. So, uh, All right. This one is... Maybe you guys will disagree. Actually, not that bad. I mean, uh, like from a, I don't think it was as ra- like offensive as uh, some of the other ones. It's shitty. It's a shitty story, but I don't think it's as offensive. But let's get let's get into it. So, um, we start with a town of Fairfield. They don't say what state, but they're like, there's a lot of Fairfields, so it could be any of them. And basically, the Teen Titans are watching some guy stealing groceries from a grocery store. And they beat the shit out of him for breaking the law. And he's like, I'm trying to feed my family. And yeah. Oh, real quick. The narration on the first page says, if within the following pages you see a subtle change in their attitudes, don't phone, don't write in, don't call us bigots, it's all part of the story. And, like, subtle, 
they like beat the shit out of this guy because his family's starving. Yeah. Yeah. So like he's a thief, but they're like, you broke the law and they just they like, you must be punished for this. So they really like beat the shit out of him. And it's Kid Flash, Speedy, who we did the whole episode on Roy Harper, and Mal, who I don't remember if Mal even has powers. He does. He has like a magic instrument that he plays. Oh, that's right. He's got like the horn of something. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea who. Which is also a really racist trope from old literature where you have the magic black guy, basically, yeah. who plays music and does magic for the white people. Or goes, Are That's you? like a, it's a really old trope. Are you? <laughs> no, really, that, that, he, he actually fits, like, that magical, they used to call it the magical Negro stereotype. So, like, how does Mal fit that stereotype? What does he say? As if, so as he's karate chopping this guy's on the ground already, he says, you better listen to these white boys, No, no you gotta say it right. You better listen to these white boys, mister. Dave's trying to say y'all straight. All right, you can be male from now on. So. And it's written with that accent. Like, like I'm, not, I'm not, don't tell me being racist. That's how it's written. Yeah, it's, written, how it's written like with, you know, Mr.'s M-I-S-T-U-H. Yeah. Yeah. And they basically beat the shit out of this guy. And they're like, hey, let's go have a malt at the, and dig the jukebox. Sorry, Mal, you can't come. They only serve whites. Besides, you'll have a much better time on your own side of town, with your own kind. That's sure enough true. See you later, fellas. Jeez. So he, not only are they being racist to him, kind of, that he's like, I'm okay with it. Then we switch to some more, um, we go towards uh, some other Teen Titan members, two girls. Wonder Girl and Lilith. Wonder Girl's basically Wonder Woman, but a kid, and Lilith has like telepathy. And they're watching TV, and they're like, I wish someone, or Kid Flash, or Speedy, or somebody would ask me out on a date. I like the idea. They just want somebody to ask them on a date. Yeah, somebody date me. (laughs) Uh, And again, the reason I am going to defend this book, like, these things are, I'm not saying that these things that are happening are not offensive, but I think the way the story handles it makes it more okay. Yeah, I agree. So... They're like, they're like, we want someone to date us. And then they see Clark Kent on the news and like, man, he's so cute. Don't turn him off. He turns me on. And then L- Lilith has a vision. And they're drawn to look like kids. And Clark Kent looks like an old dude. Yeah. But sometimes girls will have crushes. Like, it's teenagers having crushes on old guy or on old people is different than the vice versa. I mean, he doesn't look like he's 100. <laughs> yeah. And then it cuts to a really creepy old man. <laughs> yeah. So he, Lilith has a vision of, a, of an old man stumbling into a cave he finds a giant machine this must be written by what the fuck is ever his name is roy thomas <laughs> uh drawn by jack kirby you mean but no 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 jack kirby's machines are really massive and elegant and very yeah. detailed this is just like a big boxy ibm nonsense <laughs> that's what i was gonna say it looks like an actual ibm like mainframe <laughs> yeah. it's really b- boring looking he yeah. finds it he dies <laughs> when he sees it <laughs> yeah. and and then she has a message that she telepathically sends to Superman Subconsciously, without even knowing she sends to it. Clark Kent yeah to saying the Teen Titans are trapped in Fairfield the Teen Titans are trapped in Fairfield and Clark Kent reading the news or whatever says like blah 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 points consumer index the Teen Titans are trapped in Fairfield <laughs> it's in like blood red and huge bold yeah I used to yeah. be screaming it yeah and, the, and then the girls watching are like How, what is he talking about we're not trapped we like it here They that dumb dumb they turn it off and they listen to some records um, and then they're yelling at Clark Kent at the studio. They're like, why would you fucking talk about the Teen Titans? This is like, the status quo oh. Sly mentioned on the Muhammad Ali episode with Morgan Edge, the edgy TV guy. Morgan, Morgan Edge Lord. <laughs> 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 and they're like, shut the fuck up, Clark Kent. Don't get off the script. And he's like, I didn't say anything about Teen Titans. And they're like, look, it's on the telecast or whatever. And he's like, that's pretty weird. But why would someone send me an SOS? It must be Lilith because I need to resolve the story in one issue. Yeah. Uh, so if, if, if Lilith, if this whole... This whole convoluted way of sending Superman a message didn't happen. Superman had no idea what was going on. 
Yeah. yeah so like this is a, a, it's one of those stories that like it's really shitty because it needs to work. Like miracles need to happen constantly for it to actually ha- progress. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a shit story for sure. So what is what does Superman find when he gets there? <laughs> he flies around looking for Fairfields, and he's like, "There's so many Fairfields in the USA," and he <laughs> finds it eventually, and. Uh, you have Kid Flash being like, Speedy and I have dates tonight, Mal. That's why we're not going crime fighting. You understand, boy? Yes, sir, Mr. Flasher. Jesus. And Superman comes in and he's like, what's going on, Kid Flash? The way you were talking to Mal. And he says, oh, you know how it is, Supes. Sometimes these people get a bit uppity and you have to put them in their place. Uh, (laughs) So Superman's concerned because he's like, I don't remember you being so racist. (laughs) What's what's weird is that he doesn't like reprimand him for what he said. He's just like, that's weird to say that to me. It's that being like, like you can't, you can't treat him like that. But probably he might, we can give him the benefit of the doubt and saying something's wrong here. I'm, I'm trying to investigate first. It's just strange. It'd be funny if Superman was like, whoa, Flash, what? <laughs> yeah, what if it's like, oh my god, I didn't know you were a racist. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does, he just, he's looking around thinking to himself, he's like, something's weird. Uh, Kid Flash is putting down Mal, and Mal's taking it, and he acted as though he really deserves to be a second-class citizen. And then, he goes up to Lilith, he's like, hey, you sent me a message or something? Or no, you sent Clark Kent a message? I'm not him. I'm not Clark Kent, me. I have I have glasses, guys. <laughs> yeah, a, a friend. <laughs> And she's like, I don't know. I'm, I don't have tele- telepathic powers. Fuck you, Superman. And Which is weird. Doesn't he know she does? Yeah, he does. But he's like, why would she lie to me? I like that you have Sly's summation like speech patterns where everyone just curses at superheroes when they come with them. <laughs> it's, because, it's because I'm trying to just get through all this fucking dialogue. There's, and, dialogue. That's the, there's, there's only like two bubbles per page as opposed to Marvel's four. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's just like a, two shitty bubbles. But uh, <laughs> counterpoint, like, there's less bubbles here, but are these characters well-defined in their personalities? No. Yeah. Like, no. I mean, no. Like, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, the, the Marvel Marvel had more bubbles, but was definitely more col- colorful, like you guys pointed out. Yeah. So he's he basically investigating. He's like, okay, we have racism going on. We have Lilith denying she has ESP. And the whole town has this guy named Richard Handley everywhere. It's really weird. So let me go check out that cave that the the vision showed me. Um, so he goes into this cave and there's a dragon in it because why not? Well, no. First, there's they recap the panels of him touching the machine and dying, like as if we forgot what was eight pages yeah, ago. Whatever. I just it's like, <laughs> I, I blocked that out. He he goes into the cave, sees a dragon, and he's like, I could be the dragon, and somehow he can't. Uh, like he, it's really strong and um, really great di- dialogue here. As the dragon lashes out at Superman, a strange thing happens to the people of Fairfield. Just as the beast and the machine that created it feel threatened, so too do the oppressors, the bigots, the chauvinists, and the jingoists of the community. The whites lash out at the blacks. And you see a white guy slapping a black guy saying, You better watch your steps, Sonny. We're not about to let you people get out of hand. There'll be no black power movement here. We'll make sure of that. Husbands lash out at their wives. Remember one thing, Ethel. I'm the head of this household. From now on, you'll do exactly as I say. And then the dragon's fighting Superman. Yeah, um, he fights the dragon for so long. Yeah, it seems like this 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 computer is affecting the town, and it made this dragon that Superman can't beat somehow because uh, it has no vital organs, so he can't beat it. That's, that's <laughs> whatever. Uh, he actually he has to run past it twice. The first time he gets caught, so he's like, "Let me think about this some more. I'll be faster." This fight goes on forever. Yeah, it does. It really uh, does. Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm just skipping all this. So he finds the skeleton of Richard Handley next to the computer, and he smashes it. The, the computer, not the, not the skeleton. Die, you racist crawl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So he smashes the computer, the dragon disappears, and about this time, we see back at the apartment, uh, Kid Flash is coming over to the girl's apartment, and he's like, wow, your apartment's a mess. Don't you girls neat things up around here? Haven't you got anything better to do? And instead of taking it, they slap him, and they're like, male chauvinist pig. Yeah. And she's like... They actually say male chauvinist pig. Yeah. And... Uh, whatever uh, fucking Green Arrow over here, Speedy, is like uh, yelling at Mal. And it's like, come on, move it, boy. We've got to get to the store before it closes. I know you darkies are supposed to be lazy, but you're carrying it too far. Jesus. And instead of taking it this time, he says, I'll go where I want to, fast as I feel like. Nobody orders me around, least of all you, Whitey. And now he's talking normally. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, Speedy's like, I don't know what came over. Oh, uh, no, who's Speedy? Speedy's White Harper. The Speedy. Okay, yeah. So uh, uh, Mal is like, I don't know what came over me. Um... I don't. I know you were joking, but like you know, something a great weight was lifted off my shoulders. And then Speedy's like, "I, I deserved it, Mal. I wasn't joking. I, I actually felt like I was superior to you. What would make me do that?" And the big reveal is that Richard Handley got absorbed by this computer somehow. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it took his personality and created like this computer simulation town where it's like all of Richard Handley's beliefs it, it, it kind of like manifests them by mind control and they go through every facet of him he was a racist so everyone yeah. is a racist he was a chauvinist so e- yeah practically every man back then was which is like yeah. a weird thing superman but yeah okay. they kind of try to like brush off like well he was old but like it's it's basically this man's like that's why i didn't think this was so crazy because it's like it's it's a human man's like f- perfect world made real through mind control so it's like it's a kind of a cool idea because in his mind black people are second class citizens. In his mind, husbands can hit their wives, so he affected the town. And he even because he was a law and order freak, that's why they got so mad at the grocery guy. Yeah. Yeah. They beat the shit out of him because they're like that's why when this comic opened, I'm like, wow, they're really Titans are brutal, I didn't realize. I never knew uh, the this popular <laughs> franchise is full of races. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean before that happened. I mean just when they were beating up that that thief. But uh, and the, even the girls say that's why we were just waiting around, wasting time in the apartment, waiting for someone to ask us out. Normally, we're not like that, but in this guy's world, that's what women are supposed to do: just be like, "I hope someone dates me." Yeah, I guess originally when I read this, I was like, "It's just another one of those like hate Ray kind of things." Like everyone's racist for that. But now that you mention it, I kind of do have a lot more of an appreciation for it. That like they're saying it's not magic that did it it's actually a man's yeah. wishes it's human it's human racism and chauvinism made into like powerful through like mind control yeah which like it made me feel like it, this wasn't like only only you could only be racist if you had magic uh, uh, controlling you it's more like uh this guy had a magic to like take his beliefs and cra- craft yeah. it. yeah i think i think that that's why uh i like i agree with phil that the story is 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 too first of all spend so much time finding a dragon and, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Is it's still poorly paced? It's a shitty story. Yeah, but, but... I appreciate ambition here more than most of the stories you've read so far. I I, I still I did. did not like it. Why? Why not? Because yeah. when, when I finished reading it the first time, my first thought was like, like how you felt about some of the other comics is like, why did this have to be made? Because it, it's it felt like a lot of time was spent portraying the racist characters and the chauvinistic uh, characterizations. And then what they do is they just, like, explain away. It's like, oh, he was a racist and a chauvinist. And then they try and, like, have... Like they say at the end, Hamlin sure was a lot of things, but then I guess we all are. And on one hand, you can look at it like we all have our faults we need to be cognizant of. And on the other hand, it was like, this is... This was such a... <laughs> it, was, it was such an exaggerated world. 
to compare it to the Valkyrie issue, the thing that I really like about it is even though like the dialogue was over the top and stuff, people act like that. But I really like that it wasn't like Hanley was. You know, he didn't have a backstory. Hitler. He, was, he wasn't Hitler. <laughs> yeah. He was a regular guy. He didn't have, like, he didn't get, like, his family wasn't killed by a black guy. Or, like, you know, he his wife didn't leave him. Like, he was just an asshole. Yeah. And I don't think it's so exaggerating because, like, husbands hitting their wives is still considered okay in a lot of cultures. And even in the U.S., for, for example, it's... It's now not acceptable, but 50 years ago, and this it was... And this issue came out 45 years ago. And, th- and, and I think this is important because it's supposed to show, like, the ideal uh, American everyday city. And, uh, and it's supposed to show, like, how horrific it, it truly was. Like, And how easy it is to fall into that. But the people, heroes, like the Teen Titans, are trying to rise above that. These, like, p- these these things that humans do, they're not good. And I do feel like it does put kind of the spotlight of the, like... Not to get super contemporary political, but, like, what a lot of people, what a lot of white men are nostalgic for maybe wasn't great for everyone else. Like, Kid Flash and Speedy have no conflict, really, in this issue. They're just, like, putting everyone down all the time. Like, they're, you know, and then they're like, wait, I was just an asshole. Like, it's not like Mal was getting shut out of places and Wonder Girl and Lilith were, like, not allowed to go out, you know? And I feel like it kind of puts that, like, it's great for them, but it's really shitty for everyone else. For me, I feel like all those points could have been made better within... I feel like we're looking at the comet, and we are extrapolating those points, and I'm just, I'm faulting it for not being better about saying those points. Oh, I think that's very fair. Like, like Phil I said, it's a shitty story, but I think the intention is better than most of the ones we've read so far. And, I mean, 100% this could have been handled better like this failed in a lot of ways but yeah that's more of like a personal problem because the closer something gets and that's why it's like again i like nemesis more than the boys the closer something gets to actually making a point the more i fault it for when it messes up whereas opposed to like batgirl and the gams like i can just be like this is so dumb it's really bad i'm actually the opposite uh from my appreciation like uh of a book i, I appreciate ambition more than anything I'd rather somebody try really hard and potentially fail than ignore, just not even try at all. And like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm similar to that to a degree. I just I critique it more when it has a lot of ambition that doesn't go a lot of places. I, I do, I do too. But I think overall, my overall judgment of it will be more positive if it, it was at least trying something sincere. I'm on Sly's side here. That's why I don't like the Silver Age at all. Like the stories where the fucking baseball team hijack uh, banks and stuff. I because it's, it's fluff to me. It's not trying to do anything. I rather I rather have something trying to do something interesting and failing than just be about fluff. I I, I I do agree with that. I'd rather have it try. Like <laughs> I I just feel weird saying like this one tried. Where I feel like the things we're saying. Never mind. This this might just be my issue. <laughs> Like my my problem coming. You see, you see it. yourself in Richard Hansen too <laughs> <Yeah>. much. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, I want to, I have to point out. So Steve Skeets was the writer for the main Teen Times book. Like we said, this is World's Finest, not the main Teen Times book. He was a writer for the main Teen Times book, and he was replaced by the guy by the guy who created uh, Teen Titans, uh, Robert Haney. <laughs> <laughs> so this book, Richard Handley was his commentary on how Haney was super out of touch and should be writing Teen Titans because he's a fucking old fart. That was that that's crazy. That, yeah. That's cool. Okay, so we got one more. Is this one actually good, Ryan? I think so. 
But let's find out if people agree with me. I definitely agree. So we are going to talk now about Green Lantern Green Arrow number 87, which is from January 72? Yes. Yeah. January so this, 72. Is, this is before the fucking Tyrock issue. Yes. It's a, that's incredible to me. Like, I know p- different writers and stuff. Like, it, it's still... We, this is before it? Like, I'm still... <laughs> I'm, like, not... Yeah. By, like, five years. How is how is this before it? But speaking of uh, different writers, just we have to point out, this is the creative team of Superman vs. Mama Lee, Daniel yeah. O'Neill and Neil Adams. And like we said in that episode, they were avant-garde for DC. Like, they were the only ones who really got yeah. how to write black characters and stuff like that. And any longtime fans of the show know that I have raved about Green Lantern, Green Arrow many, many times. Basically, it's the first... And only, like, modern DC story before 1985, pretty much. And it's, you, you can really see, like, all the stuff we said about Superman vs. Muhammad Ali, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, listen to that episode, and I'm pretty sure I go into long detail about why I love them so much. But this was part of their, like, most, in my opinion, their, like, most iconic work. And this is the first appearance of Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern from the cartoon, the black one that everybody knows. Yeah. And uh, if you're familiar with one from the cartoon, this one is a bit uh, different. Yeah. So the one in the cartoon was more, uh, they didn't pay too much attention to his race. It was, it was more about him being a military guy and being serious. He was the stern uh, guy of the team. This one, he's a bit more fiery than the John Stewart and, from the show. Yeah, I, I don't think he's not serious. He just like, he, he's... But I mean, I mean more uh, like the stern. Uh, uh, just cool. as an aside... Um... Yeah. They folded in his comics, his cartoon personality into the comics, and I actually find him incredibly boring now. I like when he's like super political. And I like driven. that too. Me too. Actually, yeah. maybe maybe it isn't best to just be colorblind. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just like it's just like why well, I kind of like <laughs> Valkyrie because she's so like passionate about what she wants to do. Passion is always yeah. important for a character. Yes, it gives you personality, especially and... when it's like it's it's opposite of what a lot of heroes stand for as like this comic shows so one of the things that this run does to hal jordan the green lantern character is he was a very like traditional silver age straight white man that you know was afraid of marriage and all that stuff and this run really broke down (laughs) like batman yeah what this run really broke down what it meant to be a superhero and it basically to quickly recap it starts with hal trying to the run starts with hal trying to break up a fight and between a like wealthy greedy like landlord and a poor black family and Hal's just like you guys can't assault this man and then Green Arrow points out that like well this guy's a slumlord and a real piece of shit and even though they're breaking the law and he's not he's the bad guy here and then then over the next like 10 to 20 issues somewhere around there they basically go around America and explore all sorts of different social issues and I think it's done really wonderfully. The dialogue might be a little dated and on the nose at times, but I actually I actually read this recently, and I find it more appropriate now because uh, I mentioned this before. But they have a black man come up to Green Lantern and say, "Oh, I heard you did a lot for purple skins, the blue skins, and uh, the pink skins. What have you done for the black skins?" And Green Lantern's like, "I haven't, I haven't done anything." Yeah. And like when I first heard that panel existed i was like that's so over the top and hammy then when i read the legion comic i'm like actually it was necessary yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and also at the same time we see a lot of people pander to certain groups and you're like what have you done though yeah that's a valid question and, and like we mentioned before like uh in uh, we mentioned in, in marvel had random black people appear in, in the stories like just as a casual thing dc never had black people appear so it's kind of worth mentioning in the story like 
you have all these stories of Green Lantern. Not a single black person has ever shown up. When have you ever helped a single black person in your stories? <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. So basically the whole setup to the issue is that there's an earthquake and the guy who is usually Hal Jordan's backup in case he ever like died or was knocked unconscious, Guy Gardner, the best Green Lantern for what it's worth, he <laughs> is hospitalized trying to save a kid so the guardians green lantern's bosses basically say we picked a new backup for you in case there's a problem and hal's like okay let's go meet him i'm sure he's white and great <laughs> and he that we cut to john stewart who is basically playing dominoes on the sidewalk with his friend i, I think actually is he the one playing dominoes or is he coming no those? i think there's two guys playing dominoes and then john stewart comes from yeah. off screen oh okay Basically, a cop is hassling the two guys playing dominoes, and and John Stewart comes up saying, uh, "Maybe you should uh, worry about criminals, not people playing dominoes, and stop hassling these guys." He's like, "Is it? Re- do they really need a permit to play dominoes here?" Yeah, and that, and he's like, "And blocking the sidewalk, like you could just walk around us. You don't even have to go on the street." And that, I think, is uh, an issue that if you follow the news, people do still talk about. You know, fifty years later, like kind of, you know, that kind yeah. of police. What I, what I, a small detail I like too is that. Uh... Like John Stewart hassles the that one cop. He says, uh, "The the he has like white hair, so he's older." And he says, "You want trouble?" John Stewart says, "I don't want it, but I'm not about to run from it neither, or either." In any way, I kind of doubt yeah. you're man enough to give it, even with your nightstick. And so the old cop says, "Blast them! They've got no respect." And then the other cop like yells at him for it, saying, "Fred, respect has to be earned. The way you acted, you didn't earn a nickel's worth." So basically, another cop is pulling him to the side and being like, "You're bullying these people." Yeah, that they have another cop on the team saying you're being a jerk. Yeah, is like is incredible actually to me. I've I've never yeah. I've never seen this in fiction <laughs> because stories always go like it's so extreme sometimes where it's like all cops are acting this way or like all like street yeah. thugs are acting this way where it's nice to yeah, de- be like hey definitely agree this book for what, what every other book we read lacked this book has some nuance to it um yeah especially at the end which i like can't wait to get to so now so hal jordan's watching this with the boss and he's uh, with the guardian and he's like uh, that's the man you want to trust with the power ring, the finest weapon ever devised. And the Guardian basically is like, why? Because he's black. You don't like, what are you, a racist? Yeah, we're not and... interested in your petty bigotries. And Hal goes, hey, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's brave, honest, and has the right kind of mind. But it's obvious he also has a chip on his shoulder the size of the rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> we know all these black people have chips on their shoulders. Yeah, like, guys. why? They're so bitter all the time. And basically, he's like, too fucking bad. He's the best guy. Like, we're the guardians of the universe. We know better than you, Hal Jordan. (laughs) So Hal meets up with them, and they get, like, milkshakes. And he's basically saying, like, are you interested to be my backup? And he says, you know, "I'm I'm an architect. And for black architects, there's not a lot of work going around right now. You know, we're in, like, a bit of a recession. And, like, sure, I would love to I would love to try out. That sounds awesome. And and I, I would do like here that he's not, like, they're not trying to just pretend, like, you know, he's not black. He's, like, he makes a joke about it, too. He's, like, my name is John Stewart, but you better call me Black Land from, from now on. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing I like, he recites the oath where he says, uh, well, brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Like, those who worship evil's might, bear my power, green answer to light. And John Stewart's like, I like that part about beware my power. I dig those words. <laughs> guess, mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's very, you know, the black power movement was like in, you know, full force at this yep. point. Yeah. And then how, and like, I just love the idea that Hal's like traditional superhero stuff. And he's like, 
it's kind of corny, but like some of it's cool, I yeah. guess. He makes him a costume that's exactly the same as Hal's, and John rips his mask off, and he's like, only one thing, I don't wear any mask. This black man lets it all hang out. I've got nothing to hide. And I think at this point, I think the only public superhero in DC was the Elongated Man. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that's someone's name. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan loves the Elongated Man. Don't talk shit about I'm him. the Elongated Man. I love the Elongated Man. It's not his, that's not his birth name. <laughs> we, we will talk about Elongated Man and the dark, really dark things they do to him okay, in modern right. DC. Elongated Man's the best. Just that you. name. Well, that's why he's he's Ralph. He loses his mask right away. And Jon Stewart's like, you know, there's already a Green Lantern. I'd rather be Jon Stewart. And, like, yeah. I'm proud of my heritage. I'm proud of, you know, my race. Like, and I, I really like that idea a lot, especially for 1971 DC. So now Hal's, like, training him, and John picks everything up really, really fast. And the thing that I really like about this is he's a very, like, he's a very, like, proud and black character, but they don't make him, like, obnoxious racist cliche. That's that's what I've, I've said this, like, several times now, like, about that, that line, like, towing the line. And it... It's so easy to just be like, well, if we want to have him, you know, be black and actually act like, you know, with a, a certain culture, we're going to have to make him a drug addict and we're going to have to put him in the ghetto and whatever. It's like <laughs> it's so hard. It's not so hard, but it it seems to be hard to make characters that are more nuanced, that can be multiple things like people actually are. Yeah. And one of the things I want to point out to Neil Adams art at this point is so good. That, like, his, the way he draws faces, you get so much of John's emotion and Hal's, like, skepticism. And, like, you get so much of the character work just in his faces. Yeah. One of the reasons why they had a lot of words in 60s comics was because uh, the art uh, was, well, they were apparently the art didn't clearly convey it. But Daniel Neal, in the writing here, he does not use the main words as, like, Stanley or anybody else. But he still gives a lot of character to everyone. Yeah. So basically, now they see there's a plane landing and there's some oil truck is out of control. And there's a whole crowd, so it must be some celebrity. And Hal basically says, I'll get the people out of the way. You stop the oil truck. And they find out the celebrity is some senator that is running for president on a platform of, like, extreme... How can I put this delicately? He's super racist. <laughs> That's very delicate. Yeah, so he's he's basically like that kind of cliched, like, super racist southern politician. And the way that they use him I really like is what happens is John stops the truck but accidentally let – accidentally lets some oil spray out onto the senator's face. And John basically goes up to him and, like, he's covered in, like, blackface. He's like, hey, baby, haven't I seen you picking cotton someplace? I love so that sassy. joke. I love that joke so much. I, I think what makes it is the, the actual drawing of John himself in the frame. Yeah. Because he looks so sassy. He's so snarky about he it. Ha- he has a shit-eating grin on. And you have this <laughs> obviously, like, has been established racist senator, you know, sprayed with oil. So it's it's great. And Hal, Hal is, like, so law and order. And he's like, you were stupid and irresponsible. And he's like, oh, he got a little blackened. I've lived like that every day and I'm fine. <laughs> and at this point, John's like, and listen, Whitey, that windbag repre- wants to be president and he's a racist. He's cli- He figures on climbing to the White House on the backs of my people. And Hal's basically like, whoa, I'm not being racist. Like, you don't have to call me Whitey. Like, he was without sin, right? And I actually really like how open their dialogue is here. Yeah, I do too. Because yeah. like, it's it's natural for him to have a problem with that too, and to to give his opinion on it. And I like how he also then assigns him to be the uh, guard of this racist senator. So you have yeah, you have a uh, 
Jon Stewart guarding him at a rally after this. Yeah, and basically, at so he's given this big speech, and it's all like, you know, he's saying scientific fact that brains are small, that black people's brains are smaller than normal. The darkies. Yeah, and it's just like, it's real, and John's like visibly upset about it. And Hal's like, he's babbling nonsense, but it's free speech. Like, we, you know, we have to defend yeah. him. And a black guy pulls out a gun and shoots at him and says, you'll die for your lives. Shoots at the yeah. senator. Shoots at the senator. And Hal runs off to stop him and john basically says like not me you go chasing him i'm out of here and hal catches him and thinks like it's weird that he didn't shoot at me like he pointed his gun at me but then didn't use it at all like that's weird and at this point another shooter shows up with like it's like a submachine gun yeah yeah and he's shooting at the senator and at this point we we see a Green Lantern ring being used to save the senator and capture this shooter. No, I think he was shooting at cops in the parking lot. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, 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 you're right. And then we see that it's actually Jon Stewart that's the one that saved the senator. And Hal's like, you're a disgrace. I saw you run off. And then Jon Stewart says, we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Meet me inside. And he says that he paid more attention instead of just jumping to conclusions and realized that the black guy was a setup that was designed to scapegoat, you know, black people as killing the racist and making him a martyr. And his gun was with blank with blanks. And John saw that the actual. Let's say his gun was filled with blacks. <laughs> no. Yeah, they weren't. He, they were never actually supposed to kill the senator. There was supposed to be a setup where you have an attempted assassination on the senator, and then, oh, then they kill right, cops right, in right. the parking lot. So it looks like black people are like trying to kill the senator. Trying, to, they're killing cops. Yeah, it's a, just a fear mongering ploy, so that he will get. He'll rise in the polls, um, and. And that's actually something that I see people talking about all the time. Like, oh, these protesters are just, like, professional agitators. And, like, that's still a thing that, you know... I mean, that's... It's, like, that has happened. Like, uh, it's... It's, it's yeah. no secret now that, um, you know, during, like, workers' strikes and stuff, like, they would... Cops would send in undercover workers and start shooting at cops in order to uh, allow them to disperse the crowd. Uh, yeah, and they're also, like, you know, a lot of politicians have used this yeah. stuff as well. It's interesting, though, they don't, they don't arrest him for this, because it seems like... That's a grand conspiracy. Like, you have to... they just like, you're not going to get elected, probably. But... <laughs> I, do, I think it's because they can't... How do you connect that to him? Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I guess so. Oh, a politician gets away with yeah. crime. <laughs> like, breaking news. But they suggest that uh, now the Green Lantern and uh, accuse him in public about this, that uh, he'll probably be hurt uh, politically right. from it. Yeah, and they... Uh, they now, like, John and Hal, like, have a conversation where they're basically, like, they come to mutual respect, like... Maybe John's a little brash and he should, you know, get some of the chip off his shoulder. But Hal also is way too easy to trust people and, like, doesn't see what's really going on. And that ends the first appearance of Jon Stewart. Yeah. What was so great about that comic is that Jon Stewart wasn't wrong about something. Because I was just waiting for it to be like, he has to, like, really mellow down and listen to white people. Like, I was waiting for that moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I I like how we talk about how even, like, uh, how... And John's dialogue was nuanced too because it wasn't just like how had to be spoken down to about yep. everything. Like he would say, like don't call me white. Like yeah, and nor you know. was Hal being yeah. like a straight up racist. They weren't like betraying no, him yeah. as being evil. And being... Yeah, neither of them are the bad guys, and they have an actual open dialogue about like their own prejudices. And like that's DC doesn't get that nonsense for another like twenty years after this. Book this was the last like, thing I yeah. read too when I read this bunch, and this is why at the beginning of the show I was like maybe these were better than the, than the Marvel stuff until we went back. It's, it's just Daniel. <laughs> 
O'Neill uh, and Neil Adams are really good. Yeah. This was the first one I read, and I was like, was this supposed to be bad? Like, Because uh, <laughs> you guys were like, wait till CDC, it's so bad. I'm like, was this... <laughs> And this this kind of characterization continues with John Stewart till like the nineties. There's one part there's one issue. I don't I was gonna save it for recommendations, but I don't know what issue it is, so I'll just mention it briefly. He endorses a political candidate and Hal's like, You're a superhero, you can't use that spotlight for political gain. And it turns out that, you know, it's a guy that's anti apartheid and this is in like the er, like the very early nineties. Mm. And it ends up that that guy's actually much more violent and like calls for riots and john has to come to like his own piece of i i endorsed this guy and used my name as a superhero for like a political point and now it's kind of come back to bite me in the ass and it it reminds me very much of this issue of like you know how much is too far and how do we actually openly talk about these kind of race racial issues and this is why when people like john stewart's the best and i read him now i'm like he's pretty fucking boring like this is way more interesting I agree. After reading it, cool, cool. So, so uh, I think we know which one's the best out of all. Yeah, of these. yeah, yeah. obvious. We we know the back back girl's the best, right? <laughs> Those gams. Which one's the worst? Uh, back girl. <laughs> I think the gams one. I think back girl just because it, like it really pushes the the feminine frailty and vanity aspect as being like, see, this is like it's great that women are like this, naturally, yeah. instinctually like this. I don't know. The Legion one was pretty terrible. Too. I was about to say. I was about to say. I would have gone with the Gams until you we were reviewing it, and Daryl pointed out the Elskin comment. I'm like, oh no, this is the worst. Thing <laughs> no, ever. the Legion one's definitely worse because that one, at least the Batgirl story was like a story. I, it was terrible, but like the Legion one was like obnoxious to follow. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. it's tough because they're both like at bottom of the barrel. Yeah, trash. it's like which is better, shit stew or shit sandwich? Yeah. Do you want racism or sexism? Which one do you like more? So we talked about this a lot. So we're not going to do any letters, but divisive issues, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Gmail. If you have any questions, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, all that stuff. But we love hearing from you. So I love you guys. So now recommendations. Let's keep it quick. One recommendation per person. Yeah, I, th- I think that should be in the rule from now on. Cause been- Lately, we've been just throwing shit at the walls. So. Mostly Phil, fuck him. No, I always do too, and I'm an asshole. Hey, I've, well, I had two. That's, that isn't so many. You had three in one episode. Uh, one yeah. of them was really dumb. Okay, I'm going first. I'm recommending a DC book that I have two reasons for recommenda- recommending it. One it shows all the fun and like nostalgic parts of the Silver Age of DC without any of the like terribleness. And also it talks a lot about social issues. So I'm recommending Darwin Cook's DC The New Frontier, which is primarily a Hal Jordan story, but it's the entire universe at the time. And it starts with McCarthyism and ends with Kennedy's New Frontier speech. And it talks about all it, it even keeps the social issues in the context of how DC handled them. And everything about it is amazing, and the art's fantastic. And if you want to see why we talk about, like, some of the soft spots I have for the Silver Age, this book shows you why better than any actual Silver Age book ever will. I want to uh, read that at some point. It's so good. The movie's also good, too. Oh, yeah. We, we might actually do the movie or the book at some point on this podcast. Yes, we should. Uh, so my recommendation is going to be Daniel, a Daniel Neal story, uh, which I think is his best work, of uh, The Question. 
uh, in the 80s, he wrote a series about the question, which is what, what Rorschach from The Watchmen is based on. And uh, he's basically given free reign on it. And um, he tackles uh, political issues. He tackles um, a lot of different topics in it. Uh, he tackles racism. Uh, and it's probably one of my favorite runs of all time. It's basically about the question. Uh, and he's trying to save his, his city, Hub City. And uh, basically, you probably say, oh, we said before, uh, like, with Batman stuff. Well, Hub City makes Gotham look like paradise. Like, uh, we, we, like it is the worst city in any I've ever comic. read in comics. But it's, I highly recommend it. And Danny O'Neill also says it's his best work, so he yeah, would it's, know. It's pretty good. What about you, Daryl? Uh, I don't know. What about you, Phil? <laughs> uh, in protest of my recommendation restrictions now, I'm not going to have one. It's hard because I feel like my my recommendation would be the same as last time. It's like just yeah. read feminine literature or feminist, yeah. not feminine. <laughs> read feminine, feminine uh, literature about how girls can't help themselves, but uh, yeah. he has a makeup. Any literature that addresses like Rachel issues, like yeah, uh, Rachel issues, Rachel and Monica from Friends. Where's Rachel? To Kill a Mockingbird. Daryl recommends To Kill a Mockingbird. I'll recommend uh, Eyes on the Prize, the PBS miniseries on the uh, civil rights movement, in case people are like. Reading these comics. Isn't that what you recommended from the Muhammad Ali episode? Is it? Recommend it again. Yeah, I, re- I recommend it again. It's it's really good. Yeah, you could do that. It's a really good series. So, yeah. Cool. I'm probably going to recommend Berserk like a hundred times. <laughs> recommend it today. <laughs> we don't read that many stuff. I feel say he doesn't read that much, so. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's, anybody have any final thoughts? Um, Daniel Neal's awesome? Yeah, that's true. Racism is not awesome. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We've been Divisive Issues. I'm Richard Handler. Ah, shit, I was going to be Richard Handley, and then you were Handler, and I was like, is he trying to be different? or Is that is it, it Handley? It doesn't matter. It's Handley. I'm Dick Handler, guys. <laughs> I'm Dick in his hands. Okay. I'm, are you? <laughs> and I'm those cans. <laughs> Stay in continuity. Uh, black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all. And I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all. And I'm blacker than black, and I'm black, y'all. I'm blickety black, blacker than black, black. I'm blacker than black, yo. Because I'm.